This Miami Hurricanes class of 2023 has some really talented South Florida players. How about we make the crib great? You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much for making us your first listen today. Locked On Canes is available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. It's been such a busy signing week. And now that the dust is settling here on Miami's class of 2023, uh, I figured uh, there's a certain guest who would be the authority to bring us the big picture, especially on all these South Florida players. But real quick, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered. Get it this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. We bring on the GOAT. South Florida High School Sports 560 WQAM does a tremendous job covering high school football, covering recruiting. The great Larry Bluestein is with us. Our boy Blue. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for having us. And uh, yeah, certainly, uh, uh, you know, as I was saying to a couple of people, this is a busy, busy, busy time. But at the same time, uh, right after this, we start on the next cycle of players. So it never ends. Yeah, well, and this one's not even completely over, right? Because we still have, we're going to have National Signing Day, the late signing day, uh, February 1st. And the transfer portal is going to be crazy. I mean, Miami already has four quality players in the portal, and I know that they're going to add more. Uh, So, Blue, your your big picture thoughts so far, you know, Miami has uh, 25 signed national letters of intent, and it's, you know, it's a top five recruiting class, which I find to be remarkable coming off a of five and seven season. Uh, how do you feel about this class, Blue? And is there anything in this class that still might be kind of missing that needs to be supplemented here before late signing day? Well, first of all, you know, it, it goes without saying. I mean, this is an awesome class. And obviously people picking it apart in their own way, and that's fine for them. But uh, for somebody who's watched a lot of these kids and, and understand what they mean uh, moving forward, um, you know, it is – you never see a program that didn't go to a bowl game and, you know, had a probably one of their worst uh, seasons uh, – in many, many, many years and uh, to come out this way. But I think it's a testament to what um, uh, head coach Mario Cristobal is all about. He's a recruiting guy. And he said from the beginning that he was selling the future, you know, with the the new facilities, uh, you know, everything that's going along with it. uh, And it was kind of tough for him to sell now or this year because of the fact that these really weren't his kids so moving forward the roster is getting trimmed out the fat is really falling by the wayside and uh, uh, they went out and got some really good kids I mean you know they set themselves up for positions that of need and getting I think the the one of the guys in Francis Maugo who's just awesome i think he's like evan neal he's got the size he's got those heavy hands he's got that attitude a leadership attitude and he and samson oak and lola uh, both like kind of clones size wise i just think francis has played a 
a tougher schedule and he's played a lot, you know, he went up against Bain and, yeah. you know, guys like that. And, you know, speaking about guys like Bain, I mean, here's a kid right now that, you know, they, he's an edge rusher, but I think they're talking about maybe moving him inside. And if he does, he's going to have to put on like 30, 40 pounds because the average offensive lineman, especially in the ACC, is around 6'4", 6'5", 330, So he doesn't want to be giving away 70, 80 pounds. So if he does move inside, you know, Miami right now has a lot of kids on the edge, you know, coming back in the class. Uh, Jaden Wayne, uh, who I think, you know, I, there's a guy that I watched up from five, six feet away, and I am thought he's got great, great hands. Wingspan is amazing. He's quick first step. I think that kid is one of the guys that everybody underrates. I look at Malik Bryant, the the linebacker out of Orlando Jones, as a a, a real solid football talent. Still, like I said, you know, he's got the size. You know, I think he's around 6'2", close to about 240 now. And um, a guy that I think could, you know, fit into the plans over the next couple of years. Certainly, uh, I think one of the, the pieces of the puzzle, and there's a key few guys that a lot of people don't really – harp on they talk about uh riley williams riley oh, williams man. is a so tight good. end a guy that certainly would be an iowa type of guy a guy would down the line go in the first round like iowa produces those type of kids i mean he's six six he weighs 240 i mean he he's a, a tremendous pass catcher i think he does a tremendous job uh you one of the guys that i think is the most overlooked guy and 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 in in this class and a lot of people don't know much about him. That's why uh, is Robert Stafford. I, I think he's one of the great athletes, uh, 40 inch vert, plays on either side of the ball, basketball kid. So, you know, he's got that athleticism. We all know about Ray Ray Nathaniel Joseph as being a guy that I think is going to be solid as well, you know, down the line. But you look at guys like him and Raul, Raul Aguirre, who I had an opportunity to watch at probably watch a lot of his film because I just wanted to see what type of football player he's got the motor uh, Damari Brown I think that you know when you talk about uh, you know kids like Carmoni McLean Carmoni McLean and guys think about how much he's been tested and you know forget the lineage where his dad played at the U and you know his brother will be coming there he went to Central Florida but here's a guy that had a line up against Los Alamitos California he had to go up against Miami Central he had to go up against Cardinal Gibbons twice. He went up against Shamanad Madonna. And it just shows you that they that a kid like that is not afraid to mix it up. I think he's one of the guys that probably gets on the field first because of the fact that he's he's really, really is that ice water in the veins mentality. Nothing really rattles him. Uh, we know about the Washington brothers, obviously, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, Robbie is, is a guy that's going to be one of those in space type of kids. And Bobby has come around, you know, we talked about him when I was on with you before. And I said, you know, he's got a lot to learn. Well, he learned it <laughs> because he's a very <laughs> physical kid. I think he's going to uh, be another one of those guys. You look at Antoine Jackson, the kid really should have been in the next class, but he reclassified long type of kid. So, I mean, you got a class like with the Mark Fletchers and Chris Johnsons who add depth to the running game and people go, well, how come they're taking so many running backs? But we talked about this last year. At one point, Miami was down, Alex, to one scholarship guy and a walk-on. Right. So it right. And, and also, they, they did lose two backs in the portal. So it, it makes right. sense you would want to load up in recruiting. 
Yeah. And I mean, there's so many talented guys in this class. You know, I mean, you look at Joshua Horton and what a monster. I mean, you know, here's here's a yeah. kid that has an opportunity, you know, a six foot four two almost 290 pound type of kid. So you got a lot of kids in this class. I, I had a chance to watch Tommy Kinsler, uh, you know, Ocala Trinity as coach John Brantley, spike for Florida, a well-coached kid. Uh, you know, he's, he does well at those camps. We've talked about Emery Williams in the past. I yeah. think Emery is uh, a guy that got more popular as time went on. When we first saw him two years ago as a sophomore, a lot of people didn't know him. I still remember sitting on uh, the campus of FSU with with uh, Odell Hagens, and I was asking Odell who the kid was, and really nobody even knew. And uh, you watch him throw the ball, albeit it was in you know a t-shirt t-shirt and shorts but i mean he made all the throws he's got a great arm and you know you could tell what type of character he is he's been down to miami i what two times on his own dime yeah. uh, which is which is not cheap and it's not a easy ride it's almost 700 Ooh. miles from the yeah. panhandle i mean you look at kids like jackson carver who i think is going to be one of those really really good guys that uh, you know down the line because it gives miami a depth at at that position so uh, you know, and, and you got projects. Obviously, Frankie Tinalao uh, is somebody, Alex, that hadn't played much uh, football over the, you know, uh, in his career. But he did have an opportunity to come down here this year and play at LaSalle in Miami. So uh, I think the nucleus is there. Uh, you, you got a lot of kids that, uh, as you mentioned, some transfer portal uh, players combined with this fresh, uh, this incoming freshman class. And it's, it's mind-boggling. And I think you're going to see – come the Miami Ohio game next year a completely different team and oh, and well, you know well, what you we make, all wanted right we all wanted yeah, a completely yeah. different well, team well if you make two three changes to a team it doesn't necessarily make you know the team change i mean you could have right. a couple of kids make a difference but when you pretty much change out like 40 kids <laughs> from a roster and that's probably what the final count is going to be with all the kids coming in and coming out uh, it, he accomplished what he wanted. Yeah, there's going to be some kids that are young and, and not ready for the prime time yet, but that happens everywhere. I mean, it happens at Alabama. It happens at Ohio State, Georgia. And, uh, you know, where Miami needs to be, especially recruiting-wise, is they need to repeat these classes. 24-25 uh, right. got to be the same way because you look here, a program that will back that up is Georgia. They lost, what, 13 kids to the draft last year, and they're still number one in the country. So that's where Miami's at. I think that this class, along with, as you mentioned, the portal kids are really putting them over the top. It's going to get fan interest. It's going to get people back in the seats. Uh, and it's going to give them a reason to be uh, proud of a team. You know, last year they, it was tough on a Hurricane fan, you know, uh, mm -hmm. you know, oh, to, yeah. to go through that. You try to find every excuse in the world, but I kept just looking at it in the reality. And Miami had a horrible roster last year, and uh, that's changed. Well, I want to take a deep dive on a few of the South Florida players when we come back. Plus, I got a question for Blue about Tyler Van Dyke. So make sure you keep it locked right here. Larry Bluestein is with me on Locked on Canes. And folks, holiday season, make sure you remember the importance of driving sober. Did you know that driving high is considered driving under the influence? That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every state, even the states where marijuana is legal. That means driving high could get you a DUI. 
And if you think law enforcement officers can't tell when you're high, you're wrong. Your friends can tell, your coworkers can tell, your parents can tell, everyone can tell. So what makes you think that law enforcement officers don't know when you're driving high? Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your, respo your response time, I should say, and change how you perceive time and speed. So even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you're not. Because the bottom line is, if you feel different, you drive different. And driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, drive high, get a DUI. Paid for by NHTSA. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. The great Larry Bluestein from 560 WQAM in South Florida is with me. Uh, so, Blue, you know, some people uh, are, you know, not satisfied with Miami's quarterback situation. There were a lot of ups and downs and injury for Tyler Van Dyke last year. I mean, I thought TVD was coming along nicely right before he got hurt in the Duke game last season. Um, and he's going to have better protection this year, guarantee. I mean, you add a guy like Javion Cohen to this offensive line in the transfer portal who's plug and play. And I even think uh, some of the incoming freshman offensive linemen can make an impact immediately. So, I mean, what's even even if it is the same offense next year as last year, we'll, we'll know more about that in the coming weeks, obviously. Uh, but what do you think the ceiling for Tyler Van Dyke can be with better pass protection? Yeah, I think it'd be really, really good. I just think that the one thing about Tyler and, and when he had protection last year, the receivers really never got open and gave him an opportunity. I think that changes this year because of the fact, I mean, I think they're going to bring in a portal receiver coming up uh, somewhere along the line, you know, like they did the last couple of years, uh, you know, prior to this past season, uh, you know, with a Rambo and then, uh, uh, what's the name that's uh, playing the NFL for the uh, for the, uh, the Minnesota Vikings now, and uh, that came oh, from Buffalo? Um, yeah, uh, Osborne. Yeah, Osborne. So those are two guys on successive years that came in, and Miami needs to do that along with what they have because uh, Young comes back. You have Restrepo, who obviously is is working extremely well. You have Rashard Smith. You have you still have the nucleus of of players to make the the plays and in a running game that hopefully improves, but you're right. The offensive line is going to afford uh, Tyler to do a lot more of what he did a couple of years ago or two years ago. Um, not that the line was just stellar two years ago, but it was a line that at least provided him an opportunity. He's really, I think, has an opportunity because he's clearly the number one quarterback, clearly. I mean, it's not even – it's not even up for discussion, I, you know, because Jake Garcia had his audition last year and did okay. And then you have a, a young kid too. I mean, you have a couple of young guys, but I'll tell you what, Tyler's got an opportunity this year to rise his stock up to the elite level where people left him that uh, two years ago. And it was, Oh, wow. He's going to be, you know, after Bryce young and after, you know, uh, this guy and that guy, he's going to be one of the players. And I think he's got an opportunity. Smart guy has an opportunity to work with Frank Ponce. And I think Frank is so vastly underrated as a coach. People don't realize, uh, you know, what Frank does with the quarterbacks. He's done it ever since, you know, for the last 25 years. So, um, yeah, I think that, uh, that Tyler's going to have a really, really good season. I, he's got the leadership qualities, and he understands that they're putting, like in with Tua, they're putting people around him, and that's right. that's that's what really needed to happen. 
So I, I want to ask you some more about the South Florida players okay. in Miami's recruiting class because you are the foremost expert on that. You know, some of the names you mentioned, but uh, I'd, I'd love your take on Antoine Jackson, uh, the, the safety out of Dillard, especially since he is so young, Blue. I mean, he he was really only supposed to be uh, – he was supposed to be a 2024 guy reclassified. Right. He should be a senior in high school next year. Do you think he's going to take a little more time to develop, or do you think he's he's so mature he could even see the field as a freshman, or is it more of a project for the future? Well, I think he's a project for the future. He has all the intangibles, but experience is a probably one of the most important things at anything you do. I mean, you can yeah. walk in and be so talented, but at the same time, he's got a learning curve. He's still got to, you know, figure things out. I mean, this is, you know, he's coming from a high school situation, going into a major college. It's not like he's going into an FCS or, you know, a, a program that's smaller. He's going into a situation where your opponents, especially in the ACC, are going to provide receivers that are 6'3", 6'4", and, you know, running the 4'4 range and are strong or have man strength. Um, his tech technique is great. Um, his ability to play is great. He's just got to learn. He's got to get bigger and stronger and, uh, that's going to happen. And that's, you know, he, he may, we'll see what happens, but I, I think it's probably later more than sooner that we'll see him. I, I love how, you know, Miami's football team is now loaded up with siblings. And like, I, I guess like every program, cause you got the Cavender twins and women's basketball. Now we got three sets of brothers on the football team, the Maui Goas, the Browns, but uh, I, I love your take on the Washington's blue because I feel like Robbie and Bobby probably don't get talked about enough. And I think part of the reason they don't get talked about enough is they've both been committed for so long, right? Yeah. Because we tend to on this show, we talk more about the recent, you know, commits and verbal commits and signees where the Washington brothers have been solid for a long time. Uh, you know, to talk a little bit about Robbie and Bobby and what they're going to bring to the table. Well, positions of need. We need to, Miami needs definitely a dynamic playmaker on the offensive side of the ball and, and a special teams kid like him. You can imagine having Robbie and Chris Johnson returning kicks. That will put fear yeah. into everybody. That will put a lot of balls into the end zone or out out at the, the like the 20. Uh, he's That's where his impact's going to be. He's going to be one of because right now in that slot position, you've got a, a pecking order. Uh, you can probably play him at the running back position if needed, maybe do a jet sweep. See, he's going to be like a Swiss Army knife. Uh, he's got talent. He, uh, he's he got extremely uh, amazing belief in himself. You know, I mean, that uh, he could play anywhere at any time against anybody, and that's what you need. You need that type of mentality. Miami hadn't had that in a while. Bobby's a guy that, you know, I, I, tell, I think you and I talk a little, uh, I think, back uh, before the season – and I had a chance to watch him in the spring at a uh, playing right next to Stan Quan Clark, in fact, mm. uh, when they were at Killian. And I was with Charlie Strong and, and I said, you know, this kid's big and physical. He just really needs to learn a little bit more about reading plays and because he was bypassing plays. And I'll tell you what, somebody must have heard me or he must have heard me <laughs> because I'll tell you what he had a one of the best years he was awesome. uh, i put him on the level with any linebacker that miami's bringing in uh 
he's big, he's strong, he's fast, he's uh, he's an aggressive type of player. And again, as he picks up more and more, uh, you know, of the technique and, and and learns how to read even more, and I'm sure he's going to watch trillions of hours of film. This is a winner. This is a kid that's going to be. I mean, because he's a big time kid. He's got size and uh, definitely a position of need. And uh, you know, the faster he learns, the faster he gets in there. I love it. We're joined here by Larry Bluestein, the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, I, I want to put a bow on the uh, the South Floridian aspect of this recruiting class when we come back, and you know how Miami did compared to Florida State, who did end up with uh, some players that Miami wanted out of South Florida. Miami ended up with some players that FSU wanted out of South Florida. So it's just an exciting time, my friends. Larry Bluestein with me. I am Alex Dono right here on Locked On Canes. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. And guys, from the bottom of my heart, I can't thank you enough for the support you guys have given the show all week long. This has been uh, the most successful week just in terms of downloads and views and listens. The most successful week in the history of this show. And, you know, I think it's the, uh, the testament to, you know, not to pat myself on the back, but I put a lot of work into this week. And guests of mine, like Larry Bluestein, have put a lot of work in. And thank you guys for supporting Blue's work as well throughout this week so you know blue i'm looking at the the south floridians who wound up in this miami class and these are all quality players you know damari brown being the most recent addition mark fletcher and chris johnson at running back reuben bain on the defensive line antoine jackson who we just talked about the washington twins ray ray joseph uh, i'd love your take before we get to big picture your take on Ray Ray Joseph Blue, because every time I watch his tape, I'm just uh, it, he, he makes me just want to run through a brick wall. The way <laughs> his explosiveness and the way he can bounce out of tackles. It's like nothing I've seen. Uh, he's a kid, too, uh, Alex, that's, that's just tremendous in space. And that was yeah. the first thing that I think that Coach Gaddis saw about him when he watched them the first time live is uh, I rem I still remember going over and, you know, it was at that jamboree up in Palm beach gardens. And uh, you know, and ironically the Clemson coaches or coach was there who at the time he was committed to Clemson and um, Gaddis looks at me and says, this kid really is amazing in space. I mean, because what, you know, he's small, he's not, you know, he's not the largest guy around, but, his speed, he's a very intelligent young man, comes from a great family, athletic family. You know, his uh, his cousin starts at running back for FIU and Flex Joseph. Uh, his uncle has been involved in the youth programs, especially at Northside Optimist in, in South Florida and the Liberty City area for decades. Uh, so he's been around the game. He's a five-year, five-year varsity starter in, in, in South Florida, which is crazily unheard of. Um, he, I mean, like I said, he's going to, he'll be a lot like Restrepo in the fact that he comes here. You don't ever have to worry about him in the school. He'll get his degree in three years. Uh, he'll, you know, he's that type of player. And then he's going to be ultra productive. He'll be there long after everybody leaves, uh, right. you know, and he'll be there first. He'll be waiting at the door for them to open uh, because that's the attitude and the mentality has. I mean, Miami, I mean, it, he was a must get. He really was. I mean, I know that. Oh, well, he's tiny. Eh. 
<laughs> you know what? He's not tiny. He's, he, he you know, he, he'll gain weight. He'll get into the 70, 80 range, you know, and that's, you know, that's his ceiling. You look at Tutu Atwell, um, yeah. who's with the Rams. I think he barely weighs 160 now, and he's in his third year. So uh, it's the production. I think that Ray Ray definitely is a crown jewel in this class for so many reasons. You need, you need character kids, you know, I mean, not to say nobody else is, but, He's a for sure character kid like Restrepo, a guy that everybody goes, oh, man, he, you know, uh, all the all the professors and all his, you know, instructors and everybody saying, you know what, what a what a great person. And that's what Nathaniel's going to be. I mean, and you'll never hear a bad word from him. Uh, he's he's always he's like into his little own little world. And, uh, yeah, he he was a huge get. Awesome. And, and so, you know, I think about Blue, we've talked so much on this show about all the head-to-head battles Miami had with Florida. They also had several with Florida State and probably more of a South Florida battleground with Florida State. With Florida, they were battling for a lot of like different parts of Florida and, and national kids. Miami did win Mark Fletcher over Florida. But like with Florida State, you know, Miami got Reuben Bain and Damari Brown, who were both down to Florida State as finalists. Miami won those battles. Like Florida State did get Conrad Hussey, yeah. Hakeem Williams. Uh, I think I'm leaving out uh, leaving out another one that that Florida State got, but they 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 won some battles with Miami, no question about it. So, how do you feel like Miami did when it came to keeping players home? rather than leaving for places like Florida, Florida State. And we lost some local kids to Ohio State as well. How do you feel like Miami did? Did extremely well. Obviously, you know, as you mentioned, I mean, Hakeem Williams was a target early on, but I think as Miami kind of watched him and some of the other guys they had an opportunity of, they concentrated, you know, away and not, you know, not that they ever gave up on them, but they didn't put a lot into it. Conrad Hussey was a really good get because yeah. Penn State had been him. on him and King Mack, his teammate from St. Uh, Thomas Aquinas, for you know for a long time. And then they worked him pretty good and is a kid that brings a lot to the program. Uh, outstanding football talent, outstanding young man, very fast. He brings a lot to the table. Lamont Green Jr. is another guy who came out of South Florida, but we kind of knew that was going to happen like two years ago because yeah. his dad played at FSU. Uh, Lamont ended up his senior year with 22 sacks. So uh, Edwin Joseph is another. That was the one I, that was the one I forgot to mention yet. Yeah. I think people are going to kick themselves in the the butt for really not going heavier after him. I mean, I know Miami tried and they came in a little bit late, but they came in when everybody else did Ohio state and Florida. Uh, I think the thing about him is another character kid, but a versatile guy. I mean, this is a kid to remember in the American Heritage game alone on offense. He went up against Amari Brown and on defense, he went up against Brandon Ennis. I mean, you know, so you couldn't get any better than that. The kid's a character kid. He was a a finalist for the Nat Moore trophy this year. I thought he was a big get. I mean, you don't want to lose kids like that, but you know what? You can't get everybody. And that's the one thing that I tell, uh, you know, people about it says, you know, you, you you cry about not getting all the South Florida kids, but even when Miami was ruling the world, Alex, I mean, even when back in the eighties and the nineties, they would lose kids like Derek Thomas and Steve Hutchinson from Coral Springs, you know, and, and Marvin Jones. And, you know, there were, there were big time players that got out of here, Snoop Menace. And, you know, I mean, uh, so you got to be fortunate to, 
if you could get five, six, seven kids from South Florida in every cycle, because remember, Miami's more of a global type of recruiter. You know, they go to California. I mean, you look at some of their players, you know, from Ken Dorsey all the way, uh, you know, from the Pennsylvania area, you know, getting the rock and getting guys from New Jersey and Daniel Stubbs. And yeah. Miami's done that forever. They've been able to land a lot of kids. They even got into Texas for a minute, you know, to get Kevin Williams and also to get uh, uh, Jesse Armstead. So Miami's always been that type of recruiter where you know, Florida is South Florida is nice because you want to have some kids, you know, that people identify with. But you can't have 20 South Florida kids. You just can't because it's yeah. just not in the it never was in the cards. So Miami's always been like I said, you know, you go up to El Elmhurst, New York to get a Vinny Testaverde or, you know, you uh, you go to, uh, to to California to get a Gino Toretta. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's where they've been. You know, I mean, you look at, you know, Jeremy Shockey, who came out of Oklahoma. Yeah, and right. and that's what I'm saying. You look at some of the top players that this program has produced over the years, and they're not all South Florida kids. I mean, even though the Melvin Brattons and players like that, you know, have come from this area. But, uh, no, they've done a tremendous job. I, You know, and like you said, I mean, you look at Florida's roster, and there's a couple of kids that obviously Miami was, you know, in the last deal for Alabama, too. but Think about this. Alabama was really heavily on Damari Brown. They yeah. know the lineage. They knew exactly what that school brought from having Pat Sertan's son play there and plus having flowers there and having, you know, kids who are from the South Florida area. So Miami to win that battle, plus get kids because of uh, Mario's um uh reign out in the the West Coast to come away with kids like Riley Williams and guys from like Oregon and yeah, I mean, Wayne. My, yeah, exactly. They've never done that before, you know. And that's the one thing Miami, you know, they get a California kid like a you know DJ Williams or you know here and there, but they were really in on some really good guys that you know USC uh, and some of those other programs were on. I mean, it, so I, I think. What happens now is everybody's going to watch how these players, you know, settle in. And the next the next cycle, you're going to get all these big time stars. I mean, and yeah, you have a lot of them already in South Florida for the 2024 season uh, or the 2024 class that uh, are stellar guys that Miami's already starting to work on. Oh, this is just tremendous stuff as always. You want to make sure you follow Larry Bluestein at Larry Bluestein on Twitter and check out his show. Uh, are, are, are we uh, we we still bouncing around a little bit, right? Blue? Yeah, yeah. Well, Monday's we the on, normal time slot. We were on last night. I don't know if there is a normal time slot. Uh, <laughs> we'll be on. You know, I what we do is we promote it on our our Twitter account and also Facebook. Uh, the day of the show, we'll give a rundown on who we had. Uh, like I said, last night was a really good show. Had an opportunity to have a lot of the kids who won state championships. Awesome. Uh, we had King Mac on is going to Penn State, and we had Keon Jenkins who was offered by Auburn and settled in at the University uh, FIU, which was a huge get for them. Uh, yeah, and then talked to Doug Sosha, the head coach at Kaiser University, who obviously them and West Florida have been the most successful programs in the state of Florida, each of them playing for a national title wow. in the last couple of years. So we talked a little bit about that. Uh, one of the controversial guys uh, in South Florida this week was uh, uh, Zach Poff from Max Preps, who didn't pick 
Miami Central as the number one team. He picked oh them as God. number two. So, How? Um, yeah, yeah. So we had him on. So the shows are really good. They're going to ramp up even more because wow. we'll have a lot of recruits on, and and all you know the Miami commitments uh, and the Miami signees. We'll we'll have a couple of those guys on since they're most of them. If if they're not into the school, we could get them at any time. Right. Uh, and, and and a lot of them from private schools probably won't go in anyway until May. So. Exciting time, uh, you know, just check us out. And uh, certainly also uh, on our podcast on the Six Ring Canes, uh, uh, you know, with with some really, really good and knowledgeable people, you know, Jazz and Vish and DJ and I enjoy being on that. And we have great guests on that, too. And uh, certainly, you know that as well. Uh, yeah, it's it, it's tremendous. All the work that Blue does, guys, make sure you support it. And thank you guys so much for making us your first listen today. Now make Locked On Sports today your second listen. Peter Bukowski brings you the biggest stories from around the sports world in 20 minutes. Get the analysis and opinions before anyone else with our local and national experts and insiders. Locked On Sports Today podcast available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. We'll talk to you guys again later today. We're going to have Brian Smith on with us on uh, another episode of Locked on Canes, part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.